Welcome to Salem First Assembly Podcast. May this week's message by Pastor Brian D. Corkin be a blessing to your life in helping you to grow in your understanding of God's Word, strengthen your faith, and equip you to become all that God has created you to be. Well, good morning. We have a fun Sunday and a challenging one as well. Look at your neighbor and say, are you ready for the challenge? I, I really believe with all my heart that, um, that we are blessed. You know, I watch a lot of stuff on TV. And uh, we're going to have to skip that one until next. Um, I, I watch uh, a lot of stuff on TV. And... Um, and I watch about those who, you know, are atheists, those who are agnostics, um, those that are um, non-believers in Jesus Christ, no matter what reason it is, there's a reason out there. And there are some people who try to convince you that Jesus Christ never existed. And I want you to understand something that most believers, most believers don't study enough. So when they come across someone who knows a little bit of information, they, they, they get tongue-tied. Because they don't spend much time in the Word of God. It's really important. Because there's so many worldviews out there. The problem is, I want you to think of something. Some time ago, when they trained people for banks, they never told them about counterfeit money. All they did on the people who worked banks was teach them everything they needed to know about what was real, the real money. So then they knew so much about the real money, when they saw something counterfeit, they could tell. Now, of course, we have pens and we have other ways of doing that. But before, it was through eye identification. It was knowing what a dollar bill should look like, what to look for, how to tell a counterfeit from something that's real. And the more you get into God's word, you get to and taste God's word. Someone say taste. See, that's one thing about Christianity that's so real is that God wants you to have an experience with him, a daily experience You know, in 1876, something wonderful took place. And I can tell you it's wonderful because every single person has one, even though different, has one with them today. In 1876, on Valentine's Day, Alexander Bell put in his application for the patent of the phone. And the phone has come a long way, hasn't it? One day I'm going to do a, a, a message on change, and I got a lot of old stuff. And when you look at the old phones and how they looked and the ones on the wall and the car phones that were this big, and if you had a car phone in your, um, in your car, you're like, wow, that person must be rich. Today, everybody has a phone in their car. Isn't that amazing how things changed before us? Let me tell you a little bit. <clears throat> about <clears throat> love, love. How, how many, how many, how many know a little bit about love? Huh? Huh? Yeah. See, there's a need to be loved, but there's also a need to love. There was a survey asked, and in the survey, it was asked to a bunch of women. And this is with the question that was on there. Have you ever intended invented a valentine and send yourself gift in a a, a boyfriend that you made up its name 80 percent of them sent a card with flowers 
13% sent themselves chocolates. 5% sent animals or some type of stuffed animal in someone else's name. And 2% in the survey said they never did anything like that. I want you to get that. Don't do that, Thomas. And so when you think about that, someone will then make up a person's name, send it into the mail, have it come to them in someone else's name. Then the next question in the survey was this. Why would you make up a valentine or send yourself a gift? I was going to ask anybody if anybody did that, but we're not going to go that route. Someone say amen. But this is what the survey said. 65% of the, of the ladies on this survey said to feel special. 15% said, so the men in the office would notice me. 5% said, I wouldn't feel so lonely and separated on that day. But what really hit me was the last one. 15% said they did all of those reasons all above. So what does that say to you, me and you about love? It says that people want to feel loved. They want to be accepted. But I tell people all the time that if you want to be loved, be lovable. And everybody will love you. It's hard to put your arms around a cactus. But you know, it's easy to put your arms around a flower. But Jesus said to love your enemies. Whoa. Wait a minute, that's a cactus. You see, and Jesus actually did this. And so today, I want to talk about love is more than a word. Love is more than a word. And if we can get that in our hearts, love is truly a demonstration of what love is. I want to uh, tell you that today, uh, you could say that Valentine's is going to the dogs and the cats and every animal that's out there. I looked up some statistics and found that Pet lovers will spend this Valentine's over a billion dollars on something for their pet. My problem I have is when people treat pets better than people. I have a problem with that because that's a mismanagement of emotions. Because God created human beings. Don't get me wrong, I have a, a, a pet friend at home that's called Buddy. But it's just not named Buddy, he, she is my Buddy. And my buddy drives me crazy sometimes. But I will tell you this. I'm not buying nothing for buddy for Valentine's Day. I give him love all, all, every day. Valentine's Day today, usually they're saying in 2022, spouses and friends and neighbors, pets, all together, is going to be about $23.9 billion spent on Valentine's Day. Over 146 million roses will be shared on Valentine's Day. Do you know Valentine's Day is the next biggest love day next to Christmas or cards and things sent? So I want you to understand this, that this is a big deal. So I don't do questions, but I'll save it. But I want you to understand something. Let's, let's think about God's love for you. Why does God love you? I want you to think about some of your faults. I want you to think about some of your attitudes. And yet, God says he still loves you. I want you to think about when you know, think of someone who has an attitude that you're not crazy about. I want you to think about someone who has some faults and maybe their faults has offended you. 
I want you now to be God. And how did God treat you? And how do you need to treat others? Just a thought. Give it some thought here. Are we really loving beyond a word? You ever hear the people say, love ya. Love ya. <laughs> love you too. Call them at 3 o'clock in the morning. Say how much they love you. So we're going to go to a portion of scripture. We're going to go to the book of Revelation, and we're going to a little talk about the Ephesian church. So if you can go to the book of Revelation, let's look at this portion of scripture, starting from verse 1, chapter 2. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them to be false. Listen to this. You have persevered and have endured hardship for my name and have not grown weary. That's powerful. Yet, I hold this against you. You have forsaken, you have left your first love. Remember the height in which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has the ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in paradise of God. I want to talk a little bit about how do we lose our love, how we talk about love for God. I love God. I hear that as a pastor so much through my life. I love God, but loving God is not just in mere words. Loving God is a, an inward decision. Listen, here's the word. Write this down. It's intentional. Love is intentional. When, especially when you don't feel it. Because no problem, you and I have no problem loving people when it's easy. Loving people, when it's not easy, you have to be intentional, even when you don't feel it. You see, we learn a lesson here in personal relationship and in a spiritual relationship, because see, what happens in the spiritual happens in the physical. Here was a church doing great works, but they lost something. They lost the reason why they do the great works. They lost the reason why they do what they do. See, sometimes we can get into a rhythm of just doing things. But, and that's what's so hard for you and I. We just end up doing what we think we should be doing, and all of a sudden our relationship really does bring no joy to us, and we go through the motion because we lost the heart. And in our own relationship, life pressures and problems and pains have a habit of affecting us, discouraging us. It causes us to have a dry life, not a life full. We allow the pressures and the hurts around us to affect our own hearts so that our own heart starts to close. We're dissatisfied. We're disappointed. We're disinterested. It comes into a, decisive, a divisive life and a life of disbelief. I, I want to look here for a second at this portion here. I want you to look at verse 2 and 3 of Revelation chapter 2 because it says here, I know your deeds. God knows you. Just look at your neighbor and say, God knows you good. (laughs) 
I want you to get God knows. You can't hide anything from God. So many times when you read the Old Testament, the, the people are saying they're doing things thinking that God doesn't see them, that God doesn't know. God knows not only our actions, he also knows our heart. This is really powerful. So when you go to God, people say, well, I don't want to bring that before God. He already knows. Bring it before God. It says, the Lord says, I know your deeds. Some people can't even get past that part because they have no deeds in their life. Here's an Ephesian church that maybe not be, have the right heart because they've lost it because of all the stuff they're doing and they've, they've missed the reason why they do it. But some people can't even get, God may say, I, I, I can't even say I know your works because some people don't have any works. They just more live life according to them, not according to living for God of what we can do for God. We cannot be Christians by profession. Someone say professions. That is not how we truly can't be Christians by professions. We need to be Christians by practice. It's your belief and your behavior, and love has a big part in this. And so we're going to travel a little bit here today, and I pray this is helpful for you. Because you see, I know your deeds, and I know your hard work. So deeds is something you do, but hard work. That's when you start to sweat. That's when you start to sacrifice. That's when you start to do some things that, you know, you're hard. You see someone working hard? You ever see someone scrubbing a floor? You know? And they're scraping. And they're getting all the dirt off. And they're doing this and they're doing that. They're working hard. You ever see someone working really hard and then someone else sitting sitting on the chair just watching them work? That don't normally work well with me. <laughs> I'm really good to get the person off the chair. <laughs> but God says he knows our labor. He knows our hard work. I, I want you to know God knows. Watch this. He knows your perseverance. You can be so persevering and doing a good thing. And that, watch this now. Watch this. And still miss God. And still miss God. There's a lot of examples in Scripture with that basic God sees the hard work, God sees the deeds, God sees the perseverance. Someone say, this is all good. This is good. You think, man, these guys are doing good. And and then it goes back to this, and he says this, and you cannot tolerate the wicked men. You can't tolerate evil. They They dislike the doctrine that's wrong. They fight against it. They're standing up for truth. They're doing really good. Romans says this, Chapter 12, 9 and 10. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. This is exactly what the Ephesian church is doing. Would you say that's pretty good? Everything they were doing was good? I mean, if, you, if we did all that, we would say, praise God. Look, our God, I, I, I'm doing deeds. I'm working hard for you. I'm persevering. Lord, I'm, I'm, not, I'm getting away from wicked things. I'm not even hanging around with those things that are wicked and wrong before your sight, God. I'm not going to let them bring me down. I'm not going to let them affect my spiritual life. And everybody would say, woo I'm doing pretty good. I'm running the race. And then it goes on. And then it goes on because... Then, after the condemnation, the commendation of all the things they've done right, then God comes into another list. And this is the list that is the heaviest. Because we have deeds, we have works, we have labor. We're having the doing without the being. God's always looking at the heart. You can do good things for the wrong reason. 
because it's just something I need to do without doing it for God. Sometimes we do nice things for ourselves because it feels good. Watch what happens here. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you have, watch the word, fallen. Wait a minute, fallen, fallen for what? Fallen because of the heart, heart of love, heart of compassion. The reason why we do it, I'm serving my God. Not just doing things, because we get to a point, us humans, have a, it's really easy for us to do stuff just because we're so used to doing it. Forgetting that we're really serving God. And so God's concerned about the reason, the motive why we do what we do. If you really want to help someone, you're there because you want to help them. Not because they're a pain in your patushka. Okay, well, if I don't help this person, they'll never leave me alone. I'm going to just get, you know, that, that's the wrong motive. The wrong motive is to say I'm doing it because I have to, but the right motive is I'm doing it because I really want to serve God. I'm going to be his hand. I'm going to be his work. You see, you and I have to really look that they left their first love. What do you really love? And by what you love, you'll be able to see some actions. Love always follows actions. I don't know about you, but I know about me. I try not to do love out of duty. Duty. You know, love people because I, well, you know what? I have to. No, no. God loved you because he loves you. That's why he did for you. He wasn't on the cross doing this. Okay, God, I'll die for these guys. But I'll tell you what, man, if I would, I would like to really slap them across their head. You know, you know, that wasn't the attitude of God. You know what he said? Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. It's a perfect picture of what looks, love looks like. His heart desire was lined up with his action. You see this? This is exactly what the Ephesian church had lost. They lost the reason why they did what they did. It's all about relationship. Look at your neighbor and say, it's all about relationship. Now, here's a question that I have for you. How does one stay in love with Jesus? How do we stay in love with Jesus? I mean, when you first come to the Lord Jesus Christ, you're excited. I mean, when you come to the Lord Jesus Christ, even the trees look beautiful. Oh, look at these flowers. Look at the birds. Oh, it's amazing. Everything is beautiful. It's a whole new world, you know? And the reality is, after we live in this whole new world for a while, then all of a sudden, the joy starts to go over here. And, and someone, sometimes a, a mature saint, come on, uh, sister, son, you're getting a little too excited. Just simmer down a little bit. Oh, never put, never put water on a fire. Not when it comes to God. Let that fire burn, because I'll tell you what, that fire of God is contagious. I will tell you all, we all need a little touch of the fire of God. Mm, mm, mm. But I'll tell you, how do we, how do we continue to stay in love with Jesus? I mean, how do we do that? It's simple, simple. It's a choice of heart. You have to choose certain things in your life. Coming to church is not enough. Coming to church is not enough. As much as gathering together is part of God's plan of growing and becoming what God wants you to be, iron sharpens iron, that is not enough. You have to realize it's more than that. It's spending time in his presence. Why? Because you want to. I got to pray. Ugh, man. What kind of relationship is that? Is you go up to someone and say, oh, I got to spend time with him. I got to spend time with her. 
Well, that's going to be great for the relationship. I can see that relationship blossoming really good. Well, how about if we do the same thing towards God? Yeah, I gotta. I can't. I gotta pray. And I, I, just, I gotta, gotta gotta do these these things. You know, and that's not the action that you want. That's not the response you want. That's not the attitude you want. It's a joy to come before God. It's a joy. So you want to spend time in his presence. You want to con- communicate with him in prayer. You want to give thanks on a continuous basis because everything he does. You want to give him praise and honor because he's given you life. Look around you. There's so many people have so many things around them and they bypass all that stuff and they only focus on one thing and lose their joy. God has done all this. Done, God has done so much, but because we focus on one or two things, every, our joy goes. And we get, well, this hasn't happened. And I'm not happy because this... Uh, hey, listen, we all can sing that song sometimes, amen? But we have to lift our eyes higher to the one who's over it all. We need to give him praise. We need to walk and live in obedience. Love is left and lost because we spend no time with the Lord. Even in the religious realm, even in a pastor or a minister... He can be so busy doing, uh, anybody who serves in ministry can be so busy doing and doing and got to do and got to do this, that we miss, we miss the reason why we do it. And many, many times, if you talk to a pastor who's been in the ministry long enough, he will be honest with you and say, you know, there's times in my life where I was so passionate about getting things done, I forgot about the one I was doing it for. And just as well as any of the occupations out there, you are just as guilty as I of getting so busy on so many things and missing the major and focusing a lot of times on minors of life. Sometimes we pick arguments that are not worth picking on. Focus on what's really, really important, and it's amazing what will happen in our life. You know, there is a man called Paul Yogi Cho, and he had the largest Pentecostal church in South Korea. His membership was at 489,000 members. He created what they call a prayer mountain that people would go and pray, even to this day. He just recently passed, not too long ago, and this is what he said. Of all things one can do in life, the greatest thing you can do is pray. Not Not too many people grasp that. They think the greatest thing they can do is do. But when you pray, God works. See, when you pray, you're allowing God to you're allowing God to come into the situation. You're allowing God to come into where you are and allowing God to do something through you because prayer changes, watch this, watch this, you. And it lines you up with the Lord. This is really important. Listen to the words of Jesus. Jesus said this in John 14. Whoever has my commands and obeys them is he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. That's a promise. God just told you a promise. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Now, I want you to get this. This is really, really important for all of us to comprehend. Look what it says here in 23. Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we, see the plural there? We will come to him and make our, see the plural there? Our home with him. He has, 
He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not mine alone. They belong to the Father who sent me. Now, let me show you something that's an amazing thing about this portion of the scripture that we see in the same Revelation chapter 2. We see a word here, love. Seven times love is mentioned in this verse in just a few verses. Four, exactly. And this word in the Greek is always connected to obedience, always connected to relationship. It is actually the verb from agape. The verb here is agapeo. And agapeo is the verb form, and it's mentioned 110 times in the New Testament. It's always referring to an action of love in relationship. It's doing the right thing at the right time for the right reason. It is an act of love that is intentional from the volitional will of an individual where they choose to love not because they have to, but because they choose to. That's where love is. Love is not just an action when you feel all fuzzy. I tell people all the time in marriage is that you marry because of love. You stay married because you choose to love. It's always a choice to love. Just like it was a choice for God to love you. God volitionally chose to leave heaven because he's crazy about you. Just look at someone and tell them right now, God is crazy about you. You see, one of the things that I want you to understand is, look, look, uh, look let's, let's just take a moment here and look at this portion of scripture. 1 John 4, 9. By this, the love of God was manifested in us that God sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. Now, this is the part I like in verse 10. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins, to be the sacrifice, to be that one sacrifice. Man had sinned, sin separates us from God, God is holy. We cannot go into the presence of God because our sin, that's why that one sacrifice had to come. Before the foundation of the world, Jesus Christ was chosen to come. He loves you so much. But we live in a world that doesn't necessarily feel loved. You know, we know Romans 5, 8 tells us that while we were yet sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. We know John three sixteen tells us, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. And whoever believes on him will not perish, but, but have eternal life. This is a promise. Every person has a choice to receive what God has for us and not to receive. But you will meet God one day. You will be face to face with Almighty God. And people say, well, I don't believe in God. It doesn't matter you don't believe in God. He has given evidence for all to see. And we are going to be without excuse. You can have all the I tell people all the time, if they want to have an excuse, I just, okay, that's your excuse. But I just want to let you know. If you're wrong, you're in deep trouble because you have not sought the Lord. You have not seen all that he has. Because the Bible says, ask and seek and knock. The Lord's always telling us, always telling us, you have a question? Come unto me, all you heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He always has a promise. He says, why don't you come? Taste and see, for the Lord is good. Blessed is a man who trusts in him. You see, this whole love thing, so... So when I think of love, let me grab this over here. 
When I think of love, I do think more about more than just a smile. I mean, look at this. Doesn't this look good? Now, could you imagine, could you imagine, just bear with me, we have a journey to travel this morning. Could you imagine if you were a Christian and you looked like this? Huh? Could you imagine? You like that, don't you? Huh? Could you imagine if people saw a smile on your face and they would say to you, why do you, why do you have that smile? And you would say, well, the love of Jesus has transformed my heart. You know, hold on, hold on. Now think of this. This beautiful flower. When a flower is given, a flower represents what? You care, you love. You're showing kindness. You give flowers to people, especially if they like flowers. You know, you can give flowers to some people, they just don't like flowers, you know. They just say, hey baby, give me cash. But, but some people love flowers, and when you give them flowers, they feel loved. Because a flower is beautiful. There's, uh, there's a, a lady who's, um, that I care a lot about. She's 96 years old, and I send her flowers quite for, as much as I can, and she always loves them. And, um, and I do that is because I want to constantly remind her, as you live that long, Life can be challenging at moments when you're living longer than some of your own siblings and some of uh, people around you and stuff. And, and they need to be reminded that they're loved. And, and every time I said, when you look at your flowers, I want you to remind yourself that God loves you. And the beauty he has placed in you. And your beauty is reflecting of a flower. And I pray each one of you would recognize that in God, you are like his flower. Now, I know for the men, like, I ain't no flower, I'm a fishing pole. <laughs> but I want you to know something, that God sees you precious as a flower. And in some sense, we're all kind of precious. And, um, and so you'll have a mission to do something in a second that I'll tell you about. Why is it that people leave their first love? What happens to people when all of a sudden they're so close to God, they're, they're praying, they're seeking God, they're reading their Bible, they're sharing Jesus. There are sometimes people can know a lot of word of God, but not even know the presence of God. A lot of people can grow up in church, they can be surrounded with a jogging, they can be surrounded with it, but have no power of the Holy Spirit working in their life. They're just around it, you know? It's like just because you're in a library doesn't mean you're a book. And so often you can be surrounded by the whole atmosphere and you feel like, well, you're, you know, I'm a Christian. But no, it's not in who you hang with, it's who you are, it's who's hanging in you, who's living in you. And I want you to know that sometimes people come close to the Lord and then they leave the Lord. And you say, what, what happened? Well, the first thing is that they become either overcommitted in certain things in life or they just lose their commitment to the one of, of life. You see, sometimes we can get so busy, like the Ephesian church, so busy, so busy, so doing, so doing, and miss it. And God says, oh, you've left, you left your first love. Go back and repent and do what you started at first. 
because you've got your eyes off everything. You've got your eyes off everything, and now your eyes are on everything but me. This is what you're saying. This is not what I'm saying. Get your eyes on me. And I want you to understand is that they they get so overcommitted to things that they miss what God's trying to say, or they just choose not to commit themselves anymore. Sometimes it's wrong priorities. You know, how many get wrong priorities? You know, all of a sudden someone offers you this incredible job and you're like, ah, and God says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to, you know, I know people who uh, I've been with them at the end of life saying, I should have been a minister. But instead, I took this job or I did this. And now I recognize I didn't follow the call of God in my life. The most miserable people sometimes are the people who don't follow the call of God. They never reach up to the full potential. Watch out for the wrong priorities. They will always lead you on a wrong path. A desire for riches. That all through scripture. God says you can't serve God and serve money. There's nothing wrong with money. But money is just a tool. Look at your neighbor and say, just a tool. There are so many people who say, oh, if I only had money, I'd be happy. Hogwash. You wouldn't be happy at all. You think you would be. You only think you would be because then all of a sudden it would be all about money, not about God. See, money is just a tool. Comes in, goes out. It serves. Comes in, serve. Comes in, serve. Now, you do other things that you like, and that's, and that's good. There's nothing wrong with that. But you've got to get the perspective of why God blesses you. But sometimes people fall from God and come away from the things of God because they want, they want, I want, I want, I want. The wrong company will always cause problems. Wrong company that you hang with people that don't build you up. You hang with people who are not inspiring. You hang with people that just are naysayers. You hang with people that all they can see is a cup. Hey, your cup is half empty. Empty, empty, empty. Another person comes along and says, hey, you're, you're half full. I don't know about you, but I like the person who tells me it's half full. Because both are right, but empty, what do you do with empty? What do you do with zero? I can go half. Would you rather have no tank, no gas in your tank on zero, or would you like to have a half a tank? Nowadays, let's take the half a tank. That's a lot of money nowadays. <laughs> so I want you to understand. And then why do people don't serve God? Why do they fall away from God? Well, they get hurt. People say something. People do something. Or, or maybe God doesn't do what we think he ought to do. And we say, God, God, you know what, God? I've been doing this, and I've been doing this, and I've been serving God. And you know what? And then this happened. You know what? I want nothing to do with this, Lord. I'm out of here. And all of a sudden, they make a decision strictly out of emotion. Missing what God's trying to do because God's not done yet. Look at your neighbor and say, God's never done. I always tell people that the company you keep is the food you eat. You'll have people that build you up. You'll have people to tear you down. You'll have people to put something into your tank, and you'll have people to drain from your tank. Your choice is where you hang. You want to hang with people that see you're, you're half full. <laughs> God wants to pick you up. Amen? Mm. Now, when you tell, your, you tell your family member or your friend or someone you love they're half full, I'm not sure that they're going to appreciate that either. <laughs> but you tell them they're on, hey, you're, you're empty. Mm. So a lot of times people fall away from the Lord. What, what does it mean to love God? What does it mean to love God? The Ephesians were doing some great work. But God wants your heart. God wants your heart. We're going to do an experiment from now to Valentine's Day. And I want to introduce to you receive and give. Receive and give. Today we are going to give each one of you a gift. 
And that gift comes from us. It's something simple, but it's a gift that says, we love you. Happy, blessed Valentine's Day. But with that gift also comes another gift where you have to give to a total stranger. Now, here I say a total stranger. This is someone you don't know. You are going to love on someone, care for someone, say a kind word. And in the name of Jesus, on Valentine's Day, you're going to take the gift we're going to give to you. You're going to find someone and you're going to have, it's really two gifts, one gift together or two gifts. It's up to you how you want to use it. May God give you the wisdom how you can be God's hands of love to another person. So here, your church says, we love you. We're going to give you a gift. But with that gift comes another gift, not for you. Don't, don't you dare do anything else. But this is God's gift to someone else. It has someone else's name on it. And I want you to learn to make someone happy. There are so many times on Valentine's Day that people are down. Christmas, people are down. I'll tell you what we did one time. I uh, bought two big giant bouquets of flowers and uh, Paula thought they were for her. <laughs> and I said, oh honey, no, we have a, we're going to just have some fun and we're going to go out to eat. I'm going to give you a bouquet of flowers and I'm going to have a bouquet of flowers. You're going to go search through the whole restaurant and you're going to give flowers to whoever you want and I'm going to search the restaurant and sense the, sense the presence of God who I want to give mine to and we're just going to bless. So we sat down and here comes, uh, I'm coming in. Paula went in by herself. I dropped her off. I went to go park the car. And so I had my flowers. I gave her flowers so she could go check the joint out. And, and we were at Cheesecake Factory. And, um, and so when I come in with flowers, the waitress looked at me. Oh, aren't you sweet? And he didn't, she didn't know. It wasn't for no one I knew. I just brought them in. But she thought I was giving them to my wife. And then my wife says, they're not for me. <laughs> Now, don't get me wrong, I give her flowers. But I want you to do, I want to do something for others. And so that's what we did. What God does in these moments, what I want to do this year, actually, is get a bunch of flowers. Go to Wawa, go to Walmart, and just love on people just before they go into the store. Just to let, know, just to let them know that they're loved. For the men, they're always good with candy. Flowers or candy for a woman, either or. But I'll tell you what, it's nice just when someone does something nice. But it's just with the candy thing. We live in a world today, you know, it has to be wrapped and stuff like that for that to be acceptable probably now. But anyhow, so we're in the restaurant, and I did mine, found the person. It was a great interaction and stuff, and uh, it was wonderful. Paula did hers, and she didn't know, but she gave it to someone who was deaf. And so... Um, she did it, and the lady said she's deaf, and so they did the sign language and everything. Well, the lady came over, found us, and came over to our deal and said, this is what she said, you know, the flowers were such a blessing. I had a really rough day today. I was really struggling with a bunch of different things, and then all of a sudden, I just was talking and saying, Lord, I need help. I need a little encouragement, and you came and brought flowers. And I'm like, that's exactly what God does. That same thing happened to me. It's just amazing if you get sense. Just let God use you in the very presence of, of loving others right where they are. So what does it mean to love God? Well, that's one way of loving God is by loving others, not all about yourself. But to love God is to know him. 
God said to the Ephesian church, I know your actions. I know your deeds. I know what you've been doing. Hey, that's good, guys, but you're doing it. You're missing the reason why you do it. You're missing the heart. The heart is always the heart of the matter. Sometimes we get so distracted. But God, we need to know God because we can't love him until we really know him. We need to, and that's 1 John 4, 7 and 8. Nice little song that goes with that one. To love God is spending time with him, Matthew 6, 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all the things will be added unto him. Love God is obeying God, John 14, 15. Loving God is worship and praising God for, for all that he's done, being thankful, Luke 4, 8. Love God is to put him first in all things, Mark 12, 30. To love God is to serve him. Joshua 22.5, to love God is to walk in faith and trust him even when it's hard. Psalm 37.4, love God is to love others better than yourself. To love others higher than yourself. To esteem others higher than yourself. Philippians 2, 3, and 4, don't only think on your interests, but the interests of others. Sometimes we always want to be loved, but how often do you try to love others? We always want us to be the blessing. We say, oh, I want to be blessed. If I had a jug here and all your names were in it, and I reached in it and I said, I'm going to pull out and I'm going to give someone $50,000 this morning. Okay? Maybe I'll split it. I'll give you $25,000 each of you. And I was going in and I pull out. And how many of you are like, oh, I mean, me, 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 me. But how about, how about if you knew your brother or sister over there? and you knew their situation, and you knew their need, how many of you would say, wow, God, I hope they win that. That would be so helpful for them. You see, that's, that's where the heart is. We live in a life so conscious about us that we're never thinking about others. And I think to get God's heart is to get God's heart, and that is truly when we esteem others higher than ourselves. Five simple ways to show God's love to others. Listen to them. We so much want to talk, but we don't want to listen. You can learn a lot when you listen to the heart. How a person feels, how a person hurts, how a person sees things. Just listen. Listen to God. If you want to listen, it's, these five are vertical and horizontal. Show God's love by listening to what he's saying to you. Show God's love with generosity. Show God's love by encouraging others around you. Show God's love by doing acts of kindness. Showing God's love by praying to others. It's possible to show God's love to everyone you come in contact with, where you are. You're in a restaurant and your food's cold. It's not the waitress's fault. And I've seen so many times people be so not nice to servers. My own sons were in the restaurant business. I had three of them. I, I think three of the four were all working in restaurant business. One managed uh, a business for a while. And the stories I hear, and he would say to me, and, and they all said this, Dad, the, some of the worst persons sometimes are Christians. And he said something even worse to me. He's Dad, I have to tell you this, but one of the worst puns has been pastors. They're worse. They don't tip. They just complain. And this is not, this is not hot. And you think you do all this for them. At least they say thank you because that's how they live, by their tips. He said, no. Sometimes it's embarrassing. He said, sometimes I wish they would give me nothing than just give me a dollar or two dollars. That to me is more of insulting. You see, sometimes it is, so whenever, whenever you're out there, you're a demonstration of God and always say, you're with a server. You don't know their life. Take some time 
to know their life. Take some time because they're working. They're serving. They're trying to live, make a living. Get to know them a little bit. Talk with them. See what God's going to do. And God may do something in your heart that you'd be a blessing to them. Everybody is struggling somewhere, somehow. Could be at work. It could be a, a plumber. It could be anything. We have to be kind. We have to show love. We need to keep the joy of the Lord. Because, see, we can be busy, but we can lose the heart. But if you have God at the heart of the matter, everything is going to be something you do because you want to. What is the great commandment says to us? Look at Matthew 22. One of the experts in the law tested him with a question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with some of your heart. No, they don't say some. All of your heart. With some of your soul. No, all of your soul. And with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And watch the second. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two. Wow, think about that. Love your neighbor as yourself. When's the last time you thought of your neighbor? I grew up with not good neighbors. My neighbors were not my friends. They were just, hmm. But you know what? As I grow older and I got older and stuff, I started to understand a little bit better. You know what it helped? What it helped was just talking with them instead of doing things that irritate them. Because sometimes when we, when we get agitated with someone, you know what we do? We want to agitate them more. What does that do to the relationship? Does it make it better? No. Makes it worse. No one wants to stand up to do the right thing. You see, the people in Ephesians lost it, lost the main purpose. And Jesus says, come back to the beginning because you've left me. You're working for me but you don't know me. Haven't I done this, Lord, in your name? Haven't I done this? Sorry, sorry, I don't know you. See, God wants to know you in heart, know your heart in love. Love is a beautiful thing. Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Romans 10.9 and 10 says, if you believe in your heart, and confess with your lips, you shall be saved. This is a relationship that God wants right from, and did you know it? It's the heart and the mouth, the mouth and the heart. They need to be together. I want you to really think about how you love. I, I don't want to talk about what you do. I want to talk about how you love. How do you love others? How do you love God? How do you really make a difference? Because love has to be more than a word. Love has to be an action. The verb of agape is doing love in action, to be intentional. It is the act of doing, not just the state in the noun of being unconditional love, but now doing an action to show that to be true. That's what it's all about. I don't know about you, but I want to be better at loving God. I don't know about you, but I want to be better at loving others. And the only way that happens is that we have to truly start thinking not about ourselves. Not what we like and not what we want. Well, I don't feel like it right now. Have you ever been there? Come on, because you all have. But love is doing those things that maybe you may not feel like, but you end up being a help to someone else. 
That's what love is. We have to get love and self-centeredness out of the equation. If you ever watch it online, maybe you've never accepted Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here, maybe you've never accepted Jesus Christ. I want to challenge you to know that this great love, as we celebrate upcoming Valentine's Day, as you start to share and do things out of acts of kindness. You know, if you ever go into the toll there in Delaware in the bridge, see someone back there many times. I always tell the person what I want to say to the next person. I always tell them, hey, listen, tell them that uh, the person paid and he wanted you to know that Jesus loved him and that God cares for him. I give them a message. I have given everybody a message. I'm just not going to do the act. I'm going to point the act to Jesus. I'm going to point the act of Jesus because he needs to get all the praise. We have to be the best reflectors we can. Amen? And if you're going to love, it's going to be messy sometimes. It's going to be tough. But let's get out. Let's get out of that fear part where we're like, I don't know how they're going to react. You know, people will react to love pretty good. Because how would you react if someone just tried to love you? Here, I'd like to give you this flower. This represents, you know, love from God. And I just wanted to was thinking about you. And I would like you to have this. I'd like you to have this balloon. I'd like you to have the balloon. Maybe you want to give the balloon and a flower to maybe someone who could, I don't know, let it to be a stranger, someone you don't know. Unless you really come across someone you definitely know they need is being up, picked up, then, you know, follow the Lord's leading. Let's pray. Can you stand to your feet? Let's ask God. Egypt. Let's ask God to help us to truly understand what love is. How many want to love God better? Raise your hand. Hmm? Okay, that hand raised before God means it's gonna, there's a calling for that, is now you have to do. Let's ask God right to help us. Father, I pray right now as we take a little journey here, Father, will you help us, help us to understand that you so loved us. God, I pray that you would draw our hearts ever so close. And Lord, as we take this week to love others, Lord, we receive of your love. And now, Lord, we take this other gift to give your love away. Freely we receive, freely we give. And Lord, will you help us to be your hands and your reflectors of your grace, mercy, and love. Father, will you just touch all those that's watching online? And Father, I pray that they would truly understand the great love, the great love that Jesus has for you. God so loves you. And I pray this Valentine's celebration, you would accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior. He died on the cross for you. He rose on the third day for you. And if you choose him, he'll walk with you for all the days of your life and help you in every need. Isn't that good to know? Give God some praise in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, we thank you for joining us today. Let's continue to believe that God is going to do a work in all of our lives and in his church, despite our current circumstances. If you would like to support the ministry of Salem First Assembly, you can do so by mailing to 430 Route 45, Salem, New Jersey, 08079, or by visiting our website at salemfirstag.org. Please join us for service next Sunday at 10.30 a.m. Or you can watch service every Sunday afternoon on Facebook at Salem First Assembly or YouTube at Salem First AG. You can also listen to the message every Tuesday on Podbean 
Have a blessed rest of your day. Let's remember to be a blessing and that life is living in faith every day.